Let's do this. Let's pray together. Is that, is that okay? And uh, thanks for having me, guys. I, I do love Cane Bay. Uh, I don't know how much it's going to cost me for all the things that Charlie said that were about me, but uh, you look good. <clears throat> Let's pray. Father, I want to thank you for uh, this morning, God. Uh, we love your word. We love your word. We love the fact that you, through man, you imparted your mind and your heart into pages. And it's just a limited version of who you are. You who are infinite, God. But we thank you, Father, for this glimpse that we still can't even scratch the surface of. We still can't even handle. Even to the degree that you would give us your spirit to translate it for us. So, God, this morning I just pray, Lord, that we're encouraged greatly. Uh, that the church of Charleston... Uh, that we're all a part of has such wonderful potential. And God, we, uh, we pray for clarity. We pray for boldness and patience as we learn what it, what it means to actually live as one. I thank you for the work you're doing at Cane Bay, Lord. Uh, what a beautiful people. What great leadership, God. Father, may, uh, may we increase this or decrease this morning. May you increase. May your word be clear, Father. May it be about you and your glory. Father, uh, speak to us in a way that would change us. We leave this room different. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. So, uh, <clears throat> you guys are a part of an awesome church, right? And, and, and I'm referring to the church of Charleston. But, Cane Bay, you guys are awesome too. <laughs> you guys are awesome. I love your leaders. The men and women I've got to meet from this church already, even this morning, I just walked in. I just felt like... The Spirit of God is just here. I mean, like, it is obvious that God has his hand on this community. I wouldn't even sure you guys existed. I'll be, I'll be really honest with you. Uh, he's been talking about Cane Bay forever. It's not on the map. Uh, it's, it's a neighborhood, I guess. I don't know. All right? So I'm driving here. I got lost three times coming out here today. Uh, I see why Charlie talks about you the way he talks about you. All right? Even just in this short period of time with you. You guys are an incredible church. But the reality is we are part of a greater church. Right? This is the body of Christ. And, and it... It far extends Charleston. I mean, it's global, right? It's, it's underground. It's, it's, it's hiding under trees. It's, it's silent. It's meeting in homes. It's meeting in large rooms like this. And people are lifting their hands and they're bowing their lives and they're becoming living sacrifices just like you. We are part of a great church. This is a fantastic church. You guys must continue to grow and stay healthy and be great, Right? Because we're only as strong as our weakest link. We can't have you be weak. And you guys definitely aren't. You guys are one of those churches that are leading this. But we are part of a great church. And it's the church of Charleston. You know, you guys exist. And I love, what I love about Charlie is his heart for the gospel. Seeing the gospel reaches the, reaching the end of the earth. Who's with me on this? Your heart is about every man, woman, and child. Knowing that God loved them so much that he sent his son. If, if you're with me on that, raise your hand. Right? You with me on this? Right? And that's a big task, isn't it? I mean, every man, woman, and child, do you have any people are in, in, in the world? What, 7 billion? 6 billion? You might know the population of America. Throw a number out there. What? what? 350 million? That's about right. You might know the population of, uh, of India. What is it? 1.2 billion? Is it overwhelming to think about, like, listen, I don't even, I'm from Georgia, okay? I think we've had like a hundred flags in our history, okay? 
I'm not even sure what the flag is. I grew and I lived there for like 20 years. I mean, I probably could point to it, but I couldn't draw it out for you. You know what I'm saying? It's like I'm familiar, but not familiar enough, even though I live there. Now, we've got flags marching all over with this Olympics. I mean, flags I've never seen before. Cool flags. I want that flag as South Carolina, you know? <laughs> this is a massive task we have taken on to see the gospel, to see Jesus proclaimed, preached every man, woman, and child, that God loved them and sent his son for them. But that's why we're here, isn't it? What's beautiful about this passage here in John 17, if you have your Bibles turned there, John 17, verses 20 through 23, is it gives us more clarity on how we are actually going to be successful at seeing the gospel reach every man, woman, and child so that they would know how much God loved him and them, so much so that, they, that he sent his son. So if you have your Bibles, head there. You know, uh, this passage is a, is a neat piece of scripture because between John 13 and 16, we really have Jesus like at his last supper. He's washing his disciples' feet and then he spends a couple of chapters just teaching his disciples, right? He's imparting these final words to them. Then it gets to John chapter 17 and like Jesus like has this final talk with the Father. He kind of breaks it up in three parts. That first part, he's asking that God would glorify him. The second part, he's kind of asking that God would uh, be with his disciples. He's praying specifically for his disciples. And then it comes to this third part of John chapter 17, where he actually prays for other people, actually prays for you and I. Mm -hmm. And right after this prayer, actually those Roman guards kind of came and they take him, and then the whole scene just kind of unwinds of the cross and the crucifixion and the death and the resurrection. You follow me? It just gets pretty radical. John 17 is like that final talk. You know, well, my wife and I were in Ohio uh, last week and we were burying her grandpa. And about two Mondays ago, she said, Todd, I really feel like we need to go up to Ohio. Uh, my mom said that Dale, or her, she referred to him as grandpa, is getting sick. And so I was like, now, we're busy, everybody's busy, but I'm like, yeah, you probably should go up there and see him before he dies. And so we uh, got in the van and we drove uh, 11 hours with three kids, right? Enough said. And, uh, and I had the kids a lot during those three days before Lori's grandpa died. And he was kind of in and out of consciousness. And then he kind of, something happened where his oxygen levels fell really low. And he started just mumbling weird things, acting strange. He was dying. But there was about a three-hour stretch of time. And it was about 24 hours before he died. So we went up there on like a Monday or Tuesday. He died a Friday morning. Um, about three hours where Lori had with him. And it was like that final talk. You know what I'm talking about? Like where, where grandpa says to you before he dies, all the things that were so important. The dude's lived like 80 years. He's trying to sum up 80 years and a three-hour period of time. Maybe some of you, when you got married, your mom pulls you aside or your dad pulls you aside and they talk to you about something. Hey, hey, this is what marriage is. And in this brief moment, he's going to try, try to define something as complicated as marriage. In this brief moment, Lori has with Dale, her grandpa. Dale's trying to encourage her, speak over her, share with her. And of course, he's only going to mention what? The most important thing. It's not that final talk. This is kind of what John 17 is. And Jesus, there he is. He's about to be captured. Judas has sold him out. And he gets alone with the Father. And he prays that he's glorified. He prays for his disciples. And then he prays for you and I. Isn't that interesting? 
Like in this final talk with the father before he kind of just, before everything just falls out of place and gets wild. While he still has his breath and things are still calm and quiet, he speaks about you and I. And here in John 17, it tells us what he was saying to the father. And I think this is a beautiful passage. 20 through 23, I'll read it. I'm reading from the New American Standard. My prayer is not for them alone. He's referring to his disciples. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. Through whose message? The disciples' message. That all of them, that all of who? Us, me, River Church, right? You, Cane Bay, all of us, all the city of Charleston, all of South Carolina, all of America, all of the globe, that all of them may be what? One. Father. I love how intimate that word is, right? Hey, let me get your ears here. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us, so that the world may, be, may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. Verse 23, in them and you and me, so that they may be brought into complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved me and have loved them as you have loved me. Verse 21, I want you to look at this here. He opens up prayer. He's praying for his disciples. He's praying that the message and all those who it would affect would be one. Verse 21, I love how he phrases this here. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. He's describing what one is. Just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The King James Version actually it reads this, and it's, I love the way this sounds. Uh, I tried to, never mind. Okay, here it is. 21, King James. Uh, that they all may be one as thou, Father, art in me and I in thee. Verse 21 here, what it's trying to say is, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they be one as well. May they be one just as we are one. Do you get that here? Jesus is literally praying for us. All those who hear the message through the disciples. Here's my prayer for them. That they would be one just as you and I are one. Is that big to anybody else in here? Can you... The, the dependency between the Father and the Son. Listen, the Father sends His Son to redeem His children. Dependency. But as you look through Scripture, especially the Gospels, what is Jesus always doing? He's always going back to what? His Father. Asking for direction. Asking for strength. Asking for words. There's this codependency there between the Father and the Son that is massive. They've always been. They've never existed without one another. They were in creation and they always will be working together, cooperating, depending on one another. Literally Jesus in this passage, in this final moment, as He's talking to the Father, in his final words, it's like, listen, all summed up, this is what I want to get down. <laughs> May they be one as we are one. Isn't that scary? I mean, listen, River Church does it this way and K-Bay does it that way. And Freedom Church does it this way. Seacoast does it that way. We be one with them? <laughs> but what if they steal our people? But they don't even listen to the same music we listen to. 
Man, their pastor is not as good as our pastor. They do missional communities and we do small groups. There's so many things about being one. Think about marriage. I love it when I hear, and if you're one of these couples, I apologize now for offending you, but if you're one of those couples who say, we never fight, well, I feel sorry for your marriage. Really. You should fight. The key is fight right. But you should fight. I don't know what is easy about two individuals with completely different worldviews, right? With, with, with completely different strengths and weaknesses, coming together and then sharing, adopting to one another, being patient with one another, living under the same house with one another, raising kids together. I don't know what's easy about that. Actually, God's intent on marriage was to make you stronger. And you become stronger by what? Resistance, right? There's actually, there's actually strength that's supposed to come from you by being, by being one. But there's also difficulty, by being one. I know, I know Charlie preaches about missional communities all the time. Why? Because isolation is just dangerous, isn't it? We can't live isolated. We must live in a community. Why? Because you supply in my weakness and I supply in your weakness. But we've got to journey this as one. But listen, in my community group, we've been now together for a year and a half. And we've probably we've multiplied two times since we, first, uh, since we first got together. I'm telling you, some of the most annoying people in my life are in that community group. Why are they annoying? Because I know them so well. Ah! Man, unity is difficult, isn't it? And that's what the Father is praying for. He's just not even praying for the unity you've experienced. He's praying for more unity than maybe you and I have ever even dreamed of. That we would be one. Not just came Bay, not just with the spouse you chose, but with the people you didn't choose and you don't even know, and they do things differently than you do, and they like differently than what you like. They, in fact, they may not even like you the way you want them to like you, but God is calling you to be unified with them as the Father is unified with the Son. A massive. Verse 23. And I love this about God. I love God's wonderful grace because when he calls, he always equips first. You follow me? So he's not just giving us this massive charge and responsibility without, without not first having already made it possible for us. Verse 23 mentions this. 22 and 23. I'm lost. Give me a second here. That all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us that the world may know that, that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me that they may be one as we are one in them and you in me so that they may be brought into complete unity. Now let me break this down just a little bit here. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you've sent me. Verse 22, I've given them the glory that you've gave me. Here's that equipping part. That they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me. So that they may be brought into complete unity. Now, let me get this real quick, okay? So God is calling us to be unified as the Father and the Son are unified. And then he says, may I be in them as you are in me. And this is what I'm picturing, okay? I don't know why I'm picturing this because I don't even use tools, okay? I call somebody else to use the tools, the small amount of tools I have. But I am picturing like a manly man, which I am not. And I'm picturing his father at some point passing on a set of tools to him, right? He's given him a responsibility. Listen, you're going to get married one day and your wife's going to ask you to fix things you've never even knew existed. 
She thinks you are going to be an HVAC technician. She also thinks that you can fix the VCR. She thinks you're an auto mechanic, but reality is you work on computers all day long. Here's some tools for you, son. All right? I've been there. I'm telling you, you're going to need them because the things your wife's going to ask you to fix is amazing. All right? Every tool that I've ever been asked to use is in this bag, and I'm giving this to you. All right? Scripture says here, and I've given them my glory, okay? And I am in them, and you are in me. See, it goes further than that. And then it says this, and I am in them, and then you are in me. The Father is in the Son. So it's like, hey, hey, son, here's the tools to fix all the problems that you're ever going to come across. Hey, church, here's the tools to actually be one with one another. Hey, and be rest assured that the Father is with me and I'm with you as well. So I've given you everything Grandpa's given me is yours. Everything I've collected is now yours also. And here's another thing. I'm going to be with you and the Father's going to be with me. You're going to have the counsel and the tools at every moment of every day to execute exactly what I've called you to do. I'm going to help you twist that wrench or that screwdriver and help you tight that wrench down so you get those lug nuts off. That big old metal thing, I'm going to tell you exactly what that is. Right? And I'm going to work with you as you work on it. You have everything. I'm going to give you my glory. I will be in you. And the Father is in me. I have already equipped you for the the calling that I have given you. I know unity is tough, especially when I say be unified as we are unified. But I'm going to teach you what that looks like. Isn't that amazing? The Bible's not even asking us to figure this out on our own. It's not even asking us to fake it till we make it. He literally is saying, do as I tell you, use the tools I have given you. I will show you what oneness looks like because I am in myself three persons in one. I am God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, in perfect harmony. And I will teach you what perfect harmony looks like. Isn't that encouraging? Because I know it's intimidating. We, I just got news the other day that we have a new church plant coming to. We have a new church plant that's coming to uh, West Ashley. Now, West Ashley is a little community west of the peninsula of Charleston. We live about five miles from downtown. It's difficult, uh, just like this area is difficult. You guys have your challenges. We have ours. And, you know, and there's times where the flesh wakes up one morning and goes, man, I wish we were X amount of people big, right? And then I get news that this guy's coming in town from some Baptist church in Spartanburg. And, of course, when I go to his Twitter, like, he just is a stud, you know? And he's in Haiti. And it is pictures like this. And I'm like, man, I'm trying to just get him, you know, something to pop up my arm, you know. And then I make a couple of calls. And I'm like, hey, tell me about this guy who's coming uh, with Awakened Church to Charleston. And, I, and, of course, the email response is, oh, he's awesome. <laughs> he can teach. He can lead. And I'm like, great. I bet he's going to come right next door to me. It's difficult. Like, that is so difficult. There's nothing I can do in my flesh to embrace this man in Awakened Church. And I feel like God was speaking to me, though. Hey, Todd, if you want to take the gospel to all 7 billion people throughout the world, you're going to need this, dude. If you're going to reach 80,000 people in West Ashley, most of them do not like you, but they're going to like him. (laughs) They're going to like him a lot. So immediately I get on Twitter and I'm like, I mean, the fingers, I mean, and it's funny because Charlie gives me props. Man, I struggle with this as much as anybody. I'm just going, can't wait for you to come to the city. You're awesome. Enter. 
Because it's just not easy, man. Marriage isn't easy and I chose her. Community isn't easy and I chose it. And now you want me to be one with a bunch of people who threaten me according to the flesh? No, no. We, we want you to be one with a bunch of people that strengthen you. See, living in community doesn't take anything away from you. It adds to you. And then he's went ahead and said, and I'll give you my glory. And I will be in you. And the Father will be in me. And everything we need, and everything you need, and everything you need to know, I will show you. I will walk with you. I will do it for you. Amazing passage, isn't it? Next verse, I think, is just... You know, I asked this question a minute ago, uh, and I said, uh, is this a church whose mission is that every man, woman, and child, right, would know that God loved them so much that he sent a son? And you guys said yes. And I want to be clear. Unity is not the end game, right? It's not the goal. It's the means to the end, Okay. The goal we've already established. Every man, woman, and child would hear the gospel. They would know that the Father loves them and sent His Son for them, right? That is the goal. Matthew 24, 14 says it. And the gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world. And this is when it's over. As a testimony to all the nations. And then the end will come when the gospel's preached. We need everybody, all 7 billion people to know that God sent His Son because He loved Him so much. Unity is the means to the end. It is not the end. The end is this. It's the glory of God and every man, woman, and child having an opportunity to choose in or out. But I love this passage. Because verse 23 tells us this. That if we'll be one, if we'll come into complete unity with one another. And it's not just Charleston. But we've got to start somewhere. So let's start in our backyard. If the city of Charleston would become one. Your goal is... That every man, woman, child would know that the Father sent the Son because of His love for them. Look at the results of unity. Verse 23. Then the world will know (laughs) that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Doesn't it just make sense? We're sending out our first missionary family. I talk about India because we find ourselves in the season of embracing India. Bihar, India. At River Church, we really believe if we're going to lead people to Jesus and equip them to do the work of the ministry according to Ephesians chapter 4, well, when God calls them and sends them, and God's already called and sent each one of us, but if God called them and sent them outside of their neighborhood and there needed to be funds spent, River Church would... Would, would fit that bill. It's going to cost us, we're a church plan about two and a half, two years and a four months old, and it's going to cost us about $3,000 a month to send this family overseas. Now, you've got to understand, I'm the only staff on our entire church staff, which is about, including me, six, that makes over $3,000 a month from the church. We're about to send a family of four children, husband and wife, to Bihar, India for the next three to five years. It costs us about $3,000 a month. Then the world will know that you sent me and have looked and have loved them even as you have loved me. The world, like I'm telling you right now, that is taxing on us as church by ourselves. 
How much easier would it be for you guys to commission missionaries overseas, for you guys to take on massive needs in your city? How much easier would it be to train disciples together? How much easier would it be to share? How much would it be easier to do this as one than do this separately? I don't know how big you guys are. I don't know what your missional community population is, but I'll tell you what the the city of Charleston looks like. We get about 30 to 40,000 people. We can get a lot done with 30 to 40,000 people. Confess this. Though you want every man, woman, child to know that God loved them so much that he sent his son for them, you can't do it by yourselves. Admit that. If you're with me, raise your hand. But, 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 but confess this. If you had 30 or 40,000 people on your team, there'd be a bit more hope, wouldn't there? See, this 30 or 40,000 people includes you. But it has to include you. I'm not telling you to love the Church of Charleston more than you love Cane Bay. That'd be like asking me to love your daughter or your, your son or your daughter more than I love my own. No, I've been, I've been called to love my son and daughter but I've also been called to love your son and daughter. I'm not telling you to love somebody else's daughter more. I'm telling you to love somebody else's daughter as much as you love your own daughter. Love the church of Charleston as much as you love Cane Bay. If you want to see the gospel reach every man, woman, and child, if you want every man, woman, child of the six or seven billion people to know that the Father loved them so much that He sent His only Son, then you must... And when you start loving the church of Charleston as you love your own, well, then when the church down the road struggles or when the church down the road is about to take on a project much bigger than themselves, when God's doing something great and it needs celebrating, well, of course, because it's your son and it's your daughter and you love them just as you love your own. God's calling us to unity Because there is no possible way Cane Bay will reach six or seven billion people. And he has given you his glory and he is in you and the father is in him. And that equation, Jesus is just begging the father. If they will get this equation right, everybody, the entire world will find out one day. Because they will pull their resources together. They will pull their people together. They will pull their prayer together. They will walk as one. Literally 40,000 people locked arms in our city. I don't know what would be like one out of every eight people. There is no other entity in Charleston that large. Immediately the entire economy of Charleston would change. That is what we're talking about. That is the results of unity. So I ask you again. Do you want every man, woman, and child to know over the entire globe, over this city, that the Father loved them so much that he sent his son? Fall in love with the church of Charleston. It will actually make Cain Bay better, not worse. You with me? And this is from scripture. <laughs> there will be difficulties. There will be moments where you look at, uh, where I look at the budget and I go, we really can't swing that. 
But if I run it through the filter of together, we will do more than we can do by ourselves. Well, then common sin says, if our goal really is that every man, woman, child know that the father sent the son because he loved him. Well, common sin says, if this is a better way, well, let's do that. You know, I haven't spoken to my church. I haven't taught my church. And they're not missing anything. I think since the first Sunday of July. Okay. And I'm not going to teach the church again to the last Sunday of August. That wasn't intentional at all because I'm so unorganized. Actually, I misscheduled my calendar. Right. And I booked people for the wrong weekends. Awesome. Right. In that period, my grandpa, my, my wife's grandpa died. Uh, that pulled me out for a Sunday. Every second Sunday of every month, we actually gather and then disperse and serve all over the city. Well, there you lose two Sundays right there. Then I had my mentor coming from Ohio that I had scheduled, and he shared. Well, I didn't teach on that Sunday either. So here I am. I'm going, today was the day where, honestly, I would never have planned for five, um, eight or nine straight weeks not to teach our church, to remind them why we exist, to cast vision in them. There'd be no way in my, in my small brain that I think that would be a good idea. And so going into this weekend, I said, I really, I just be honest and talk to Charlie about this. I just real honest, I was going, do I need to call Charlie and tell him that I, I need to skip? And then I was reminded about verse 23. Throw verse 23 back up there again. It's up there. I was reminded by this. And I was like, I think Cain Bay probably needs to hear from me this morning for no other reason than, hey, we're River Church and we love you. That's it. It's not, Charlie's a much better teacher, smarter than I am. We're over church and we love you. That was the whole point of this morning. Uh, but because that's the priority and that's going to be the easiest way to see verse 23 completed, well then, as much as I hate to not see my community this morning, I'm with you guys. Because the glory which you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one just as we are one. I and them and you and me, that they may be perfected in unity, so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you have loved me. That is, listen, we, we are with you guys. Because we are like you. We want every man, woman, child to know that the Father loved them so much that he sent his son. Let's, your, let's learn unity together. Love the Church of Charleston like you love Cane Bay. I know you do. I know I'm preaching to the choir here. But River Church is with you. Can I pray over you guys? God, I want to pray over my family. Not Cane Bay. But family... I want to pray over the brothers and sisters that I just got to meet. I want to pray over this incredible community. God, that is truly already making an impact far beyond their years. God, I ask for strength over them. I ask for endurance over them. I ask for godliness over them. I ask that your Holy Spirit be heavy on them. Father, I ask that they hate sin. And they love righteousness. Father, I ask that they join us and we join them in learning what it looks like to be one. You saw it so fitting, in fact, that in your final moments when you could have prayed anything, you prayed for us this morning here that we would understand unity. God, teach us what unity is. We thank you for your glory. We thank you that you're in us and the Father is in you. We thank you that you are with us as we journey this together. 
as difficult as it may be, it is worth it. God, we love you. We thank you for this morning. Thank you for this wonderful church. I pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.